Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Well, as usual, there are important things that are going on. Many of them behind the scenes or off stage. And then there are exciting things that are taking place front and center. And the major media, the media elites are, of course, making great to do about them. And then there are interesting things which may be of a comparatively minor nature. I'm going to begin with a few of those and then move on to the others. In Washington State, the great state of Washington, which is a very politically leftist state, an interesting development in some small communities, such as Tonino, Washington, is taking place, and that is with a reboot, if you will, of a program that was initiated back during the Great Depression, and this of providing what is called complementary currency. What this amounts to is that individual towns, villages, and so forth, may choose to print their own currency for local use only. It's like this little matter of remembering not to take any wooden nickels. Well, guess what? This complimentary currency, at least in Tonino, is wood. It's made of wood. And it is to stimulate the depressed economy in this town, but it is taking root, if you will, in other places as well. And it is distributed by the local government to individuals, businesses, what have you, that are hurting as a result of these oppressive lockdowns that have been mandated by executive orders of leftist governors and mayors and so forth. But not that Joe Biden and his uh, choice, Kamala or Kamala Harris, not that they would go in for such things as lockdowns, oppressive lockdowns, leading eventually, of course, to Martial law, but no, certainly not. But the leftists, the Democrat governors, leftists across the nation have been at the forefront of imposing exceedingly oppressive lockdowns, stripping citizens of citizenship rights, in fact. In point of fact. But anyway, this is interesting, this little matter of these complementary currencies. Interesting to me because normally when nations 
see fit to print money rapidly, great amounts of money in order to help themselves financially, it usually results in things spiraling even further out of control. Massive hyperinflation and so forth. But this is a very, very different thing. These currencies are not cryptocurrencies, okay? Not cryptocurrencies, not bitcoins. This is hard currencies, but not gold, not silver, not anything like that, but they are hard currencies made of wood. Not that everyone is choosing to make theirs out of wood, but in Tonino, made out of wood. In the UK, in the city of Bristol, there were Bristol pound notes that were generated and so forth, specifically intended for local distribution and use. I do think it's interesting that this is now being enacted in small hamlets, towns, villages, communities. As a direct result, you could say, of the coronavirus, of COVID-19, of the pandemic, but it really is a direct result of these oppressive government regime lockdowns. But a large company, larger than it was because of mergers, corporate mergers, the Kraft Heinz Company, formerly Kraft and Heinz, but the Kraft Heinz Company, which has a product known as Country Time, Country Time Lemonade, so forth, they have seen fit to provide the littlest bailout. The littlest bailout. Meanwhile, of course, we know across this nation, in so many places, certain sectors are just being devastated, have been devastated, continue to be devastated, such as restaurants and so forth. But here, this large company, it is seen fit to provide $100 bailout checks to children whose lemonade stand businesses were shuttered, locked down this summer due to the lockdowns across the nation. And children can apply, namely the parents of those children, can apply at countrytimebailout.com in order to hopefully receive a $100 Visa prepaid gift card and a commemorative check. Now, this is limited to children age 14 and younger. But a very nice, very good initiative 
by Kraft Heinz for these children. Meanwhile, moving on to bigger fish. In the Congress of the United States of America. But referring to both members of the House and members of the Senate. Going back to last month, bipartisanship, bipartisan teams, they introduced a new bill. Oh boy, that's what we need, a new bill. The purpose of this bill was to undo the effects of the incompetency of the aforementioned House of Representatives and United States Senate. And what do I mean by that? Well, there was an allotment of $8 billion to the Native American Indian tribes. And there were strings attached. And those strings stipulated that those funds needed to be used by the end of this year. And lo and behold, shockingly enough, who would have imagined Who could have foreseen that there would have been delays by the Treasury Department in providing these funds to the Native American Indian tribes? Who could have foreseen such a thing? Unimaginable, right? So now this bipartisan bill would permit the tribal governments to still have use of these funds through the end of 2022. The only reason for the need, the necessity of this bill is the gross incompetence of the House of Representatives and U.S. Senate in the first place. But, oh well. Yes, government is so important. What would we do without them? Without those high and mighty illustrious members of the federal, state, municipal government. In the previous program, I made mention for the second time, and in each case, fleetingly, of this wonderful Crimean Tatar Ukraine artiste, singer, singer songwriter who goes by the name Jamala, which is an abbreviation of her name. This beautiful woman, Susanna Jamala Nova, or something like that. But 
She's a woman of character and quality. And she risked essentially being kicked out of Eurovision 2016 because of her insistence on singing this song, 1944, about the monstrous evils committed in Ukraine by the wonderful, benevolent, beneficent Stalin's Soviet Union. But remarkably enough, she won. The reason I mention her yet again, and again, each time it's been very fleeting, I have not done justice to her in any respect, but it pertains to Vladimir Putin's annexation of Crimea, attempted complete overthrow of Ukraine, but to be done in such a way that he could enjoy plausible deniability, all important. And if you look at Vladimir Putin, not to blow him up in importance, not to inflate his importance, But if you look at Vladimir Putin and how he operates, what he does, even though there have not been mass murders attributed to him yet, you find great similarity with Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin. But the uses, of course, of propaganda that has been the weapon of choice, the non-lethal, but actually lethal weapon of choice of the evil ones for so long. Seemingly, of course, non-lethal. After all, sticks and stones can break my bones, may break my bones, but words, you know, But, lo and behold, the power of propaganda, of indoctrination, is extreme and goes hand in glove with monstrous violence. And he wields it, the Russian Federation, under his dictatorial regime wields it as all communist regimes always have and as the Nazi Reich did and as Mussolini's fascist regime did and so forth. Hitler always blamed those whom he invaded for necessitating his Surprise invasions, his surprise blitzkrieg attacks that they brought it upon themselves by their supposedly evil actions towards the Nazi Third Reich. He did this with regard, of course, spectacularly with respect to Poland, free Poland, but also 
everywhere. He did it with regard to Sudetenland, Czechoslovakia, and then the whole of Czechoslovakia. And of course, Austria was a slightly different situation, Österreich. But Vladimir Putin, great similarity. Crimea, Ukraine, this is really baby steps. Testing the waters. Not only taking great strategic advantage. Forward staging for future invasions. But also to test to see What will the response from the West, the mighty West, what will it be? And of course, (laughs) the response was, to use a word that is distasteful but impotent, powerless. And as far as I'm concerned, I fear that he would find that the response from the West would be equally powerless, useless, sedate, were he to invade Ukraine, invade Georgia, invade Moldova, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Poland, Germany, and so forth. Perhaps I'm mistaken about that, but I don't think so. There might be a conventional arms response. But nuclear war? Probably not. But conventional warfare to stop Putin's federation regime, I do not believe will be able to stop it. But in any case, nuclear would leave Europe a wasteland. They could, of course, focus on striking Russia and punishing the Russian people not the Putin regime. But once that regime's forces start to roll, they will very quickly be beyond Russia into these bordering nations. And then from those bordering nations into the next nations, including Poland and Germany, And so then responses can either be focused to get on punishing Putin when in fact these responses into Russia will be punishing the Russian people that are oppressed under his regime. Or the response can be where the Russian forces are. In Poland, for instance and make a wasteland of Europe. 
Consequently, I think it is highly probable that the response will be very measured. Very measured. Very controlled. Very limited. And very ineffectual. But, I'm convinced that that is not going to take place. Putin advancing this way without the simultaneous or near simultaneous complicit cooperation of the Chinese communist regime in the East. Striking all of those who are on its checklist. Hong Kong will be a thing of the past by the time this takes place. You know, it will be totally enslaved. But Taiwan, the Philippines, Guam, Okinawa, Japan, South Korea. Oh, but brother, what about Vietnam? Vietnam is communist. It is a communist regime. And it exists because of the communist Chinese regime. There is not going to be bloody warfare between communist China and communist Vietnam. Or communist China and communist Laos. Or communist China and communist Myanmar, Burma, Myanmar. No. Others on the checklist are India. Nuclear-powered India, Australia, New Zealand. But again, communist China will employ its ally, Pakistan, nuclear-powered Pakistan, against India. And Putin and company shall employ shall use the Islamist regimes. Now, whether this actually comes about is dependent on one thing. One thing. And that is not specific to a response from the United States. Interestingly enough. It's not even pertaining specifically to response from Europe because those responses will come after the attacks, not before, not preempt. They will be after the fact, if they come at all. And if they come at all, the question then is, again, will they be conventional responses or nuclear? But... What really will determine whether Putin's regime, Putin's fascist regime, and the Chinese communist regime, and their Islamist regimes go to war in the East, in the West, 
and so forth. What will determine that? Whether there is World War III that way. What will really determine that? Is whether they are preempted. Not by the United States. Not by NATO. Not by the European nations under some other means, but rather whether there is a vast coalition, vaster than Europe, that is brought together for the express purpose of taking over the entire world. Again, that would not be limited to NATO, nor the United States of America. And yes, I understand the U.S. is in NATO, but it's not limited to that. It's not limited to a traditional vast coalition. You know, like in the Gulf War and so forth. Or you could say Gulf War One and Gulf War Two, whatever, but no. Because this new vast coalition is going to be substantially different. Of a different tenor, a different nature. And one very key difference will be this. Will it is that it will not be a cobbled together confederacy. It will instead be all of these nation states submitting to one supreme power. Sole world superpower, so to speak. But again, barring that taking place first, we can expect the other, Putin and China. Before I continue, let me say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, unworthy, that is due to me, that is on me, That is my fault. But I mentioned in the previous program or in the program immediately before that about this little thing that I saw concerning whether people would resist an oppressive, violent, evil, controlling regime. 
resist to the point of taking up arms against this totalitarian, authoritarian regime. Fascist, communist, Islamist, whatever. Would they fight back? Or would they capitulate? You know, better red than dead. Well, my hypothesis, if you will, is this. Is that armed resistance to the one world regime when it comes, whether it comes before Russia and China and Islam attempt to carve up the world between themselves or afterwards, before or after. And I think it will be before. I believe it will be before, but either way, the result is the same. But armed resistance to that regime is not what that regime fears and is not what poses the greatest threat to that regime. That regime shall be, when it takes over, it shall be the most powerful, most vicious, ruthless, murderous regime there has ever been. Dear old Lenin, what a fine fellow Lenin was. When he opined that the only reason that revolutions fail was for failure to be sufficiently murderous, sufficiently vicious, Sufficiently ruthless. So he believed strongly in using terror, terrorism, and mass destruction. And of course, Stalin continued that, as did Mao Zedong and so forth. But Those who shall resist. Understanding, of course, that resistance is futile. Well, those who shall resist, I believe, will be limited to people of faith in God. In God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Christian. I do believe that. But their resistance to that regime is not going to be one of armed resistance, per se, but instead of refusal to submit and subjugate themselves and worship the leadership of that regime. Other people, there may be some who attempt to 
flee from, hide from the regime and to survive, you know, survivalists and so forth. But as far as armed resistance, that will be crushed. Assuredly. That's not what I would want to occur, but that is simply according to the authority of the Bible. And again, this regime shall not be limited to one country, one continent, but instead worldwide. There shall be no place to flee to. The reason that this regime shall be able to accomplish what all regimes before it have failed to do is of all things that wonderful, vaunted technology, supercomputing, machine learning, artificial intelligence, all the rage. CCTV, cameras, surveillance, everywhere, and so forth. But it won't hurt (laughs) either that this evil regime will have, according to God, will have supernatural power on its side, courtesy of Satan, whom, of course, many don't believe in. Oh, there are many people that they enjoy all manner of entertainments from Hollywood and from elsewhere that allow for Satan and such. Horror movies and TV Movies and TV miniseries and TV series, streaming series and so forth, featuring zombies and vampires and werewolves and witches and warlocks and so forth. But ironically, there is a greater, it seems like, appreciation, if you will, or lust for these things, including the monstrous satanic bloodlust of horror movies, horror fair, the horror genre, then there is to acknowledge the reality of Satan and his powers and his forces. But in any case, The brilliant ones, whether their brilliance is focused on the latest technologies, the aforementioned technologies that have come front and center, or whether their brilliance is more in abstract theorizing and what have you. No matter how brilliant, 
the Stephen Hawkinses, the Albert Einsteins. These who, no matter how brilliant they are, they fail to recognize, honor, worship, and glorify the Creator. And instead, they honor the creation. They pose no threat to this coming regime. None whatsoever. And in fact, all of the false religions, including Islam, Hinduism, and so forth, they shall all capitulate. All of the cults, the members of those shall capitulate. The only people that shall refuse, shall resist. Not to be confused with that horrible, monstrous, obscene, sodomite activist organization, Refuse and Resist. No. But the only people that shall hazard their lives, jeopardize their lives, lay down their lives, give their lives to keep from submitting, subjugating themselves and worshiping Satan and the satanic leadership shall be Christians. Now, I mentioned in the previous program about this, that there shall be this need for people to believe. Well, it's a need, it's requisite, but the immediate result of it is death. And those who are going along seemingly outwardly, but in their hearts, in their hearts of hearts, in their minds, they are refusing. They are resisting. They are denying. But with their mouths and with their bodies, they are worshiping the evil according to, again, the Bible, they shall not be forgiven. The only people that shall ultimately survive are those of faith in God and Christ, even though they shall give their lives. Meanwhile, those who take the number of the beast the mark of the beast, the name of the beast. The number which is given as being 603 score and six that shall take this in their right hand or their forehead. No matter whether they are resisting in their hearts, their minds, in their spirits, in their understanding, in their souls, in their consciences, they shall not be forgiven. 
According to, not according to me, according to the Bible. But what about this other matter that I have mentioned time and again? This massive decades and decades long promotion of what I refer to as the sodomite agenda. The sodomite agenda is just one of the tentacles of Satan's agenda which happens to dovetail with the communist rules for revolution, the Red Rules, 1919, and Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals, you know, for community organizers, like a certain former president. And they dovetail with Karl Marx's communist manifesto. And with the 14-point plan for world domination of Meyer Amschel Bauer, who took the name Rothschild. This group of agendas is really one agenda with many facets. But what is it all about? Just taking the sodomite agenda and the latest manifestations of that. You know, the non-gender, transgender agenda. What is it all about? What is it really about? What is the reason for the insanity of it? What is the method to their madness? Why focus on such things for so long and with so much in the way of resources that has been marshaled by the powers in Hollywood, for instance, for decades. Why this? You know, to give a very, very, very poor example, Years ago, when I first heard about Starbucks, I thought, what a foolish thing. The idea that people would spend a lot of money for some boutique coffee and boutique desserts, I just couldn't imagine that people would be that foolish that they would do that. Being a frugal person myself, I just couldn't imagine that. And yet, I have been acquainted poorly with some people who not only frequent Starbucks and other such that have come along to compete with Starbucks or that were out there beforehand, for all I know, they not only frequent Starbucks once a day, but how about three times a day? It's just... It's mind-boggling to me. But this idea that these various individuals and groups and organizations would choose to get behind something as bizarrely absurd 
as this most extreme manifestation of the sodomite agenda is just mind-boggling. Why would they? And I can't pretend to really know all of the answers because I'm not privy to their thinking. But at the root, at the core, it goes along with, it agrees with, it dovetails with, again, all of these other master plans for destroying the free nations. And it pertains to corrupting the people, especially the young, corrupting them, perverting them, seducing them, undermining them, indoctrinating them, using propaganda to the nth degree. And you find this, it runs right through all of these master plans. From Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals all the way back to Meyer Amschel Bauer Rothschild. It is in the DNA of these master plans to seize control of this world. It's not enough to build up mighty armies to develop horrendous weapons to attack with extreme speed and surprise against peaceful neighbors. That's not enough. It is critically important to subvert the peoples. First, in those nations which will serve as the launch pads of destruction fanning out around the world. But then, to all of those other nations that are targeted for destruction. That's what it's really about at the core without getting into all manner of other minutiae. The end game is destruction of the free nations. And the United States of America has been number one target throughout the 20th and now 21st century. Number one target, which satanic Islam refers to as the great Satan, along with Israel. (laughs) Really ironic about that. Islam, which worships Satan, whom they call Allah. But many Christians, In particular, other peoples too, but especially Christians, have viewed, have 
read and have viewed a great deal of entertainment, fiction, fictional movies, and have also ingested a great deal of preaching and teaching that teaches falsely concerning what is coming. Falsely, inaccurately, dangerously inaccurately, harmfully so. And as a result, are influenced by that. Their perspective is, unfortunately, influenced by that. Of myself, I don't mind there being fictions, fictional stories, that are something shy of accurate. Because that is the nature of fiction. The preaching and teaching, that's another matter. But, as I've said before, what is going to happen? What is coming about? During these worldwide lockdowns, what is coming about? Massive regime change. Worldwide. In the free nations. In the democratic nations. Not in the communist nations, not in the Islamist regime nations, not in the fascist totalitarian regime nations, but in the free nations, the democratic nations, the Western nations, the weak, morally weak, corrupted, perverted nations. There is going to be the rise simultaneously of 10 brand spanking new leaders. And then following them, and they're off stage, off stage left, off stage right, backstage, wherever they are, they are not front and center whether they will be officially recognized as kings is another matter. But they shall rise. And after them shall arise a leader who shall arrive as a fully grown man. What do I mean by that? Am I just saying, well, okay, somebody you haven't seen before, haven't noticed before, haven't paid attention to before, we haven't heard of before. No. No, I mean more than that. I mean he is not currently on the earth, is what I mean. I know it's impossible, it's ridiculous, it's impossible. But he's not currently on the earth. But when he comes, he shall be a grown man. A small man in terms of stature, heavy, sodomite, vicious, ruthless, and exceedingly powerful. But he shall schmooze and charm the people. He shall take power with a small people. He shall come in peaceably. 
peace, peace, and they shall be overthrown before him, like before a tsunami. That's what's coming. If Putin and Xi Jinping and so forth, if they choose to make a move prior to that, they shall still (laughs) be overcome by that. That is what's coming. And satanic power is at the root of it, at the core of it. And the ultimate enemies are Christians and Jews who would be Christians. And Israel shall be the last nation standing. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.